0: Welcome to the, this episode of the MeshPoint Podcast. This episode is sponsored by GameStrat. If you're in need of a sideline replay system, check out GameStrat. They have the fastest sideline replay system on the market and provide 24-7 support, and their system can be used with multiple sports like football, basketball, and volleyball. I know Coach Rodriguez uses it at East Bay, and it helped them with the winning season last season. We at Lafayette are excited this upcoming season to use it and to put it to good use on our sidelines. Bottom line, making in-game adjustments equals winning more games. So go check out GameStrat on Twitter at GameStrat underscore. Again, check them out on Twitter at GameStrat underscore or on the web at www.gametimestrategy.com.
1: the mesh point podcast uh tonight's uh, guest is uh scott dietrich uh who's the oc at uh, part B baddison baton louise baton rouge louisiana how you doing tonight coach
2: doing great coach appreciate y'all having me and uh appreciate y'all taking the time to, to set this kind of thing up for option coaches
1: well coach we're all pretty passionate so we appreciate you being on and uh you know while we got you going here why don't you go ahead and uh and uh, maybe start by giving us some background on uh, on where you're from, where you played, and kind of what your coaching journey is. Okay. Well, just cut me
2: off if I ramble too much, but uh, I've been coaching over 20 years now. Um, I grew up in the Baton Rouge area. Uh, You know, just like most coaches probably grew up loving playing football. Um, It it was a a fairly small town on the outskirts of Baton Rouge, and and football was a thing on Friday nights. But by no means a great athlete, but good enough to get a chance to continue playing in college and uh, had just enough ability to go play at the FCS. But uh, back then in the 80s, we called Division 1AA, uh, Magnese State, uh, over in Lake Charles, Louisiana, uh, southwest part of the state near Texas. Uh, played my ball there and, and uh, finished up and started high school coaching after about a year and a half of GA uh, time at and, uh The year and a half of GA was probably just long enough to realize I didn't want to chase the college coaching thing. Uh, I loved the knowledge of football uh, at that level, but the time and I was a family guy, I wanted to get married. uh, I just had a connection with high school football. You know, I grew up loving it and, and wanted to be a part of that. So once I got through playing, I coached in southwest Louisiana for about eight, nine years. And then uh, my wife and I had – well, both, who both are from the Baton Rouge area. had a chance to move back to Baton Rouge uh, in 1999 and um, came to Parkview Baptist, and I've been here basically ever since.
1: Coach, that's awesome. Now, now, when you were at McNeese, who was the head coach
2: then? Uh, the, the, actually, the coach I signed with was a man by the name of John McCann. Um my first offensive coordinator uh, was ironically a young Steve Enzmig who just became the uh, OC at the LSU. Yeah, yeah, uh,
1: yeah.
2: He was my offensive coordinator. We were, uh, we were not an option team. We ran the option uh, some because everybody in the eighties did. Uh, right. But uh, the better teams we played were ironically wishbone teams at the time, Arkansas State, uh, Georgia Southern and teams right. like that. But, uh you know, I fell in love with option football watching it in the seventies and eighties, but you know, I was a different type of player. I was a quarterback. Uh, so we were kind of, I one back play action, uh, kind of the, I guess the mainstream of the day besides wishbone teams. Right. Uh, and then later, uh, after my first two years, John McCann left and a, uh, a gentleman by the name of Sonny Jackson, uh, was my head coach the rest of my career.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Steve Emsmer, he's a pistol, isn't he? Boy, he is. I tell you that guy yeah. can talk some football now. Yeah, I know it. I know it. And then uh I'm trying to remember, uh, was there a coach Nagel there at one point? I don't know if you know him or not. His son's name is yeah, Slade. Yeah, I know
2: Johnny Nagel.
1: Yeah. Hey, he's at
2: uh,
3: Slade's at Tulane, isn't he? He I, is
1: I, I think. He yeah. is
3: coach. Yeah. I went I went to Tulane last uh last spring and he's coaching their uh tight ends.
1: Okay. So Slade he, was – He had
3: that big old cowboy helmet up in his uh, office there, you know what I mean? The yellow helmet?
1: Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. Because uh, Slade um, was at Clemson when I coached there. He was a player. Uh, okay. Yeah. A player yeah. yeah. And, uh, only got his daddy once, but, boy, was he a nice guy. <laughs> yeah,
2: Johnny Nagel, he, he's uh, – he coached two different times when I was at Magnese. He came uh, – he was defense coordinator at what's now Texas State. Um, at the time, was uh, Southwest Texas State. Uh, he, they, I think the staff got fired, and he came there for a year, and then, kind of in a voluntary, uh, he was teaching somewhere, and then he became a full-time assistant the next year. But uh, yeah, I grew up watching. I mean, I watched Slade play in high school. I actually, coached against him uh, over in Lake Charles. He played at Barb High School, and. Uh, but Johnny's actually at a high school right here by Baton now, finishing out his career at
1: Zachary High School. That's awesome. Small world. Yeah. Small world. It is. It is. <laughs> We're connecting dots from Rhode Island to Florida to, to Louisiana. <laughs>
2: you betcha.
1: Yeah, no doubt.
3: I was curious, Coach, if you could talk a little bit about the success that you had at the place you're at, uh, Parkview, man. First time I met you, you know, we're sharing uh, cut-ups back and forth, and you're telling me this is is from the state championship game, man, and you guys are playing uh, there where the Saints play, right, in the dome? How cool of an experience was that, man?
2: Man, Tony, it's been uh, phenomenal, I tell you. When I came here in 99, uh, I was telling Matt earlier, our head coach, was a man by the name of Kenny Gillot. Kenny was offensive line coach under Sonny Jackson at Magnese uh, during the during the second part of my career. Kenny had got out of coaching. Long story short, 10 years later, we reunited here at Parkview. Uh, he found out I was moving to Baton Rouge. Uh, I found out he was here and I was looking for a job. And I was telling Coach earlier, I didn't want to get into private schools. I had some public school years, but When I came here, I fell in love with it. And Kenny was an O-line coach, but he never wanted to coordinate. He said, look, I'm not smart enough to do all that. I want you to to do it. And we had the perfect kids here, Coach, for option football. You know, we don't have great speed, but they were all committed, and they just wanted to win. So they didn't have a – you know, they didn't come in the door with an ego about it, wanting to throw the football. They just wanted to win. And so our third year – uh, you know, we never put a timeline. We just wanted to build a program and do what we could do. But our third year, we won state. We went 15-0 and in 2001. And uh, it kind of exceeded all our expectations. And uh, we have won um, five total. And we've lost in the finals three different times. Wow. And uh, mm-hmm. so, it's been a great run, man. It's just, you know, once we have a system in place, you know, we'll get the fans every now and then or a player you know, uh, questioning why don't we look at changing or doing some things. But the probably ball. the thing I'm most proud of <laughs> is just maintain consistent, you know, consistent success over the years. So, usually we can just say, well, we want to win more than we want to throw the ball every down. So,
3: <laughs> <you know. laughs> Preach yeah. Preaching to the ball here, man. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. That is. Yeah, I
2: think we're all dealing with that issue at times. <laughs>
3: You got that.
1: You got that right. Well, Coach, I know you mentioned you know you you came to to Parkview kind of to help you know as the OC and and uh, so you know maybe talk about maybe a, a mentor or coach that you leaned on early when you kind of realized that the personnel over there was it was going to be good for for option football. Maybe talk a little bit about that if you can.
2: Sure, sure. Um, going back to when I started coaching high school in Lake Charles, I. Uh, you know, coming out of college, I felt like I knew some football, but I learned quickly I didn't have an offensive philosophy. Um, I knew some plays, I knew some routes, I knew some schemes, but nothing that really tied it all together. And, and so the first three years I was coaching at school, and we had pretty good success. Um, but it, we had a great philosophy on defense, but offensively I thought we were grab back. Um, just a mixture of philosophies. And my fourth year in coaching, I got a chance to, to switch schools to, a, to a really a downtrodden program um, with a man that I had coached in the area. And I knew he was big-time option football. He loved it out of uh, – he had run, run it out of the eye, stack eye, wishbone, split back, double slide, any way you can imagine. And then he took a bad job and said, you know, offered me a chance to go with him. And uh, it was a leap of faith. But I knew I needed to learn an offensive philosophy, and his name's Paul Lanier. Um, Paul has since moved on to Texas, coached about 20 years in Texas, and retired. Uh, he got smart and went over there and made a lot of money. Uh, but, uh, Paul, Paul was a tremendous uh, technician. And uh, when he took that job, it was at Sam Houston High School, a 4A school in, in north of Lake Charles. It was just – it was so many things that kind of lined up, the stars lined up. As he took that job, man, he, you know, he knew inside Veer from Air Force and, and, and different people he had learned from. But Emory uh, Ballard was retiring in Texas for the last time. He okay. coached at Westfield High School. And uh, he kind of opened up the doors to anybody that wanted to come and, and a select group and um, – and share what he had been doing scheme wise. And so Paul got a chance to spend some time with Coach Billard there before he retired. And we incorporated his count system into what we did. And, and I was only with Paul for two years uh, at that school before he went to Texas. And I just wasn't going to Texas. My family's here. So, but those two years probably did more for me. Well, without a doubt, did more for me as a coach than uh, the other 20 plus combined just because it gave me a philosophy and, a, and a, a rooted system that you could grow with. And, and I, once I learned it, you know, I was hook, line, and sinker.
1: Yeah, and, you know, it's funny you brought up Coach Pollard because, uh, you know, if you're if you're going to back to the 70s, well, even a little bit of the 60s, but back to the 70s, if you were anything, you were watching Texas football, right? <laughs> right? And, and, yes, sir. And, and – uh, you know, he put that in for Coach Royal. Of course, then it transformed through, like, like my neck of the woods at Clemson, won national championship 81 with it. Of course, you know, uh, uh, Switzerland, Oklahoma, you know, Lord help us all. He was running the snot out of that. Of course, then, you know, you had Osborne doing a little bit of different stuff at, at Nebraska. But originally, because uh, yeah, a buddy of mine, Burton Burns, who's, you know, down down New Orleans. But anyway, he was a fullback for, for – uh for Coach Osborne, and they were wishbone then, you know. Uh, so, you know, he he was really like the the godfather of wishbone option football. So that's that's a neat reference. That's awesome. You got to go study with him before he actually retired. So.
2: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it. it I didn't. You know, I, I'm kind of like a kid getting something before I knew how good it was. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I can remember Coach Lanier telling me. He said, "Look, the more he studied, Coach." Uh, Coach Ballard's system, he compared it to what he knew of, of Inside Veer, and he would be making comparisons. And I didn't really have a, a rooted system in Inside Veer football. So as I'm learning his count system, um, it, it's like that's that's what I cut my teeth on. So over the years I've had kinda of had to go backwards and learn what inside veer was compared to Coach Ballard's more of a zone concept, uh more of an outside veer concept and uh and so it's been kind of – I've kind of taken a different path to option football, but I can appreciate it all. And I think, you know, the two years I spent with Paul, this is kind of the, the best part of this story, is the first year we were full house wishbone. I mean, he was going to be a purist uh, full house wishbone from, from first game to last. And at, uh, the following spring, we took a trip to Air Force. went to go watch him in spring football. And uh, 94 season was the first year Coach DeBerry broke the bone all the way. They were double slot. And so we went to the spring following that season and got all their reasons in for going to double slot, flex bone. And while we're there, lo and behold, they're installing midline and mid-triple the spring of 95. So, we're, we're, we're going home like a kid that just robbed the candy store. <laughs> so, we must have played six or seven games before people knew what the heck we were running, midline and mid-triple. Yeah,
1: I mean, it awesome. was a That's awesome.
2: Yeah. So, those two years were really, uh, I mean, just cornerstone years for me. And, uh, you know, Paul, I guess, would be my mentor in option football and getting the chance to do it here with Coach Guillod. Um, you know, really just kind of stepped out of the way and and blocked the, you know, he he coached up the big guys for me and and kind of let me do my thing. But, you know, it's just been a great run for us.
3: I was going to ask you, Coach, uh, what would you say uh, you do differently with your offense uh, compared to maybe, uh, you know, you think about the triple option, Navy, uh, Army, Georgia Tech. Those guys running that double slide. Is there is there anything that you do maybe a little different now within what you do with the triple option that sets you apart from
2: those guys? Um, probably the, probably the first thing, Tony, is the count system. Um, you know, I I don't define the dive key as the first thing. You know, outside the B gap or first thing touching the tackle for us, it's a it's a, it's a second down lineman in the structure. Um. Which, in many fronts, it's going to be the same guy that that an inside beer team would read. Uh, A true 50 uh, is a little different. Uh, I try to avoid uh, reading stacks if we can, which I think a lot of people do, but some people do a great job with it. Um, That was something different. But overall, you know, I would say if you go from 1999, almost 20 years later, there's, like all of us, and you've done it, there's been very subtle things that you tweak to stay relevant because being at the same school is great, but you also have to play a lot of the same teams who they're working hard and obviously they to try to throw something at you different. Yeah. So whether it be putting my fullback in a two-point stance because I have bigger, thicker kids, deepening up my wing backs a little bit, uh, tightening or widening the splits of linemen, more of a zone blocking concept or combo blocking um, – I would say I, I try to get the ball to our A-backs a little bit more deliberately than maybe uh, Georgia Tech does sometimes instead of just having to read our way to them. Uh, we try to have pretty good halfbacks. And so trying to be deliberate with having ways to get those guys the football. Um, but, you know, I would say that's the main thing. If I have a quarterback that some nights struggling, I want to have some plays, some pressure relievers where – I can get the ball to a fullback without reading our way. I get the ball to a good receiver without necessarily a progression. get the ball to a good eight back. and take some pressure off a guy that might have trouble reading. Or, you know, if there's a perimeter issue where, you know, the ball is going to read pitch, and I just feel like on a perimeter they're better than us, I want to have ways to bang it up inside if that's our best chance to win it. So uh, I've never put a percentage on – we've got to be this much percent triple or inside beer or outside beer or midline it is some nights it varies. So I guess I pride myself on being open-minded enough and flexible enough to um, try to do what's best for our team on any given night within our systems.
3: I'll I tell you, man, one one of the first things um, as we were talking that blew my mind, you're, you're pretty innovative, uh, whether you realize it or not. In my in my opinion, you're a pretty innovative guy. What, what I mean is um, – you The one of the first guys I've heard of uh, running dual concepts out of the uh, under center um, uh, flex bone stuff, you know, for example, you know, take a concept like midline and package in a fast screen with it, you know what I mean? Like, I've never heard of that, and I was like, wow, man, this, this world of RPOs and you know, uh, sexy things going on, man, that that that's uh, that's kind of that, that was kind of like a fancy man right there, that, that's pretty cool. <laughs> Uh, those those different plays all packaged together like that. I thought that was really cool.
2: Well, you know you know, from coaching sometimes in a high school stadium that it's hard to see certain things up front. It's hard to predict what a secondary is going to do. And that 25-second clock ticks fast some nights. And so I, I just over the years, just like what you mentioned earlier, having to evolve to things. And those little play systems are not meant to be fancy. They, but it, it, it's really to take pressure off of me and empower the players who have the best seat in the house, yeah. you know. And yep. then that quarterback, he's the one that really has the chalk last. And so the more you know, I can put it on him to to control that snap count and get the ball out. The more we can control, I know exactly what the defense is, is in to the last second to get the play we want. So it's it's a cooperative effort between me and him.
1: Well, they can make you look good, huh? They can. That's Yeah, you, you know, uh, Coach, and that kind of brings me to, to, to my next question because, you know, like Tony said, we, I think we all find interesting in some of the stuff that you're, you're able to do there, um, particularly with the high school kids you get. And, you know, maybe talk about how, you know, because I know you have a, a, at least from chatting with you online, I know you have a pretty special relationship with your quarterbacks as they come through. Um, you know, maybe talk about how you prepare and integrate a young guy, you know, or a younger guy into your, into your, or maybe a kid that hasn't played varsity football, but, you know, he's been on the lower levels for you. Uh, maybe talk about how you, you know, you integrate them in and, you know, you, you already talked a little bit about helping them, you know, take some pressure off, but just maybe how you, you know, for guys listening, maybe how you incorporate those guys kind of into your system.
2: Well, the first thing I tell them is is the reason I put them in a quarterback position is, is because I feel like they have the it factor. You know, we all talk about the it factor, uh, those rare combination of qualities. You, you can't always put your finger on exactly what qualities are, but but you know when a guy should be your quarterback uh, or at least work at that position. Yeah. He has a, you know, and to me the biggest thing uh, I need a tough decisive decision maker uh, who has character uh, with enough physical ability to be effective at the position. Uh, That's kind of how I define quarterback from a physical aspect. Now, he's got to be willing. I I tell him there's probably anywhere from a half a dozen to uh, eight or nine things that he's going to have to do before the ball is ever snapped. And if he doesn't do those things well, our chances of being successful are going to struggle. So he's got to be a responsible kid that that doesn't mind being accountable and really who embraces those things. I don't mind having to learn the signals. I don't mind having to make checks at the line of scrimmage. I don't mind having to check the formation to make sure we're right. Uh, Doing lookovers, learning that no huddle uh, vernacular at the line of scrimmage. All those things fall on his plate. And I tell him, if if you're not willing to do those things, then, then maybe I have chosen the wrong guy. So, I make them – I'm honest with them. I make them understand the value of their position along with the responsibility of it. Um, but as far as develop them, it's a day-by-day process. Uh, I will text them things I see that one of you guys might post on Twitter. Uh, I'll send them things. I'll send them links to things to say, hey, check this out. How you feel about this? Or think about what Tom Brady was thinking about in this situation. Even a pro quarterback. And, and I try to just get them thinking about – Uh, you know, the the pressure around that position, but like they're kind of functioning in the eye of the hurricane. Uh, A lot of stuff is swirling around them, but they got to be cool right there in the middle of it. Um, But, you know, we have a teaching progression like anybody. Uh, The mental progression is, is I talk to them about our terminology, our offensive philosophy. I teach them fronts, stunts, secondary looks. Because I tell them the number one thing, you know, once the I guess the foundation is laid as that. I want you to be one of our quarterbacks. Is we got to talk the same language? All right. You know, we got to talk the same language. When I talk about a two tech or one tech, it can't be a vague concept. We, you got to have a mental image exactly what I'm saying. On one high, two high, no high, press off. Um, you know, blitzing backer between an off backer, a read defender as compared to a stunt defender, and we got to get on the same page. Uh, and then just over time, just uh, grinding into our plays, our decision making, pre snap and post snap, and just getting on the same page using film. Our past quarterbacks are really our best teaching tool, on good and bad. Uh, I went over some film today with a young quarterback. We went through a two minute, uh, uh, our last couple of years we have a couple of two minutes possessions that's been really good to teach from, and and I went through that with him and talked to him about what our thoughts are. Uh, when we would take a a clock play, when we would want to run a play at the line, the clock stopping after a first down, and things like that. So this really, man, football, uh, diving, I love spending time with our quarterbacks and uh, and just talking football with them. And I might have a a menu of what I want to cover, but when that meeting starts, we end up just talking football uh, and, and, and covering a lot of ground. And I love to get feedback from them as well.
1: Coach, I, I knew you did all that, and that's why I wanted you to bring it up because I, I think that's a big part of, of this offense is, you know, developing that trust between you and that quarterback. And, you know, um, when you know I know you, you talked about no huddle uh, too, but, like, back when we all huddled, you know, bringing those guys over and talking to them and, hey, what do you see and those kind of things. Um, you know, and, and just – Spending that time in the off-season, you know, just sort of solidifies that bond, you know, and the trust. And they, they trust you, and they understand what you're saying, and you trust them. And it, you know, he comes off and tells you something. Well, that's what you believe, you know, because he said it. Mm-hmm. He you just like you said that they're, they're they're operating in the eye of the hurricane, and you gave me the keys to the car, you know. So you want <laughs> you right. don't want them to crash. You want them to drive right through that thing. So that's uh, I'm glad you brought that up. That's a good point.
3: Man, that's that's great stuff, man. I see. I, I coach from the press box, so now I I, uh, I can see the picture above. Plus, I got that instant replay from the end zone shot now.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, that instant replay stuff's amazing, isn't it? I mean, it God, Lord.
3: It, it is, man. I, I don't get to talk to my quarterback as much as I wish I could. You know what I mean? But uh, man, that's that's valuable with what you know the stuff that you're talking about uh, with your quarterback now and and putting
2: all that in, that's that's going to pay dividends big time, man. I, I agree. I You know, probably like you guys, I don't always feel like I have enough time with them. I always wish I had more. Uh, and I'm the first one to tell them. I, I say, look, guys, I'm going to want to meet. It's, it's as tired as you might get to hear my voice, I'm going to want to meet with you ten times more than we actually get to. And I tell them there's going to be a lot of times when there's, The whole offense is in here or maybe the quarterbacks and the running backs, the receivers, and I tell them if I get off track and I start talking to a wide receiver position or the running back position, that they still have to be the most focused guy in the room and understand their role and that I I really want to isolate them when I meet with them uh, uh, one-on-one. But uh, sometimes when we incorporate the linemen and all those guys, I say, look, if I start talking to just you, I'm going to lose the rest of the team So you still got to stay focused and it helps you to hear what I'm saying to them. You may not always quite understand it, but they need to see that you're attentive and not just kind of looking off into the stars Uh, because whether they ever say it to you or not, the the, the linemen and the backs and receivers want to see the quarterback in a different light than everybody else. It, It may not be a fair judgment, but it is what it is. And in football, that's a special position and you need to always be, at the top of your game when you're around your teammates. You may not be perfect, but you need to be the most attentive, hardest-working guy, and they need to see that every time. And if I jump your tail, then you need to take it like a man and continue on. You don't need to try to make excuses. So I do hold them to a high standard, but I would always love to meet with them ten times more than I get to. (laughs) That's the truth.
3: Yeah. I'll have those quarterbacks sit in the O-line meeting sometime. They're like, oh, that's what that means? <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, I love that.
2: Oh, that's what that means? I always wonder. Yeah. You know? That's good stuff. Okay. Coach, I'm, I'm going to tell you, if I tie-tie anybody on the football team, it's the offensive linemen. And I, I love those guys now. they They – I'll get defensive guys saying, man, Coach Dita, all he does is talk good about the lineman. man. They can't do nothing
1: wrong. I say, you're done right.
2: you done right.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, those are the guys. I don't care what anybody says. You know, I don't care. I mean, don't get me wrong because I like coaching quarterbacks and back, you know, but it do not never go right unless those guys are with it. You know, if, if they're not on it, you can forget it. It don't matter what you call and what you do, if those if those linemen aren't getting it done, you forget it, man. You forget it. So. No doubt. No no, doubt I, got
3: a, I got a question for you, Coach, uh, <clears throat> about short pistol. I'd like to know a little bit about, uh, you know, your experience with it. And uh, I know you've messed with it a little bit in the past. And, uh, you know, uh, we, we've been talking about it here a little bit. We had Rob Zeitman on the other day. and. Uh, just kind of your experience with it and I know you said you you, you used it then you didn't use it and then uh you maybe thinking about using it again what what what's your thoughts
2: on the short pistol with the flex bone you know that's uh that's a great topic because I think it's tremendously innovative I mean I think it's a it's a it's a happy mixture between flex bone and still maintaining flex bone blocking and close to flex bone timing from under center and still being able to incorporate some spread elements. Now, I'm by no means an expert at it. We did it in 2011. We went to it in the spring and in the fall, and I loved every bit of it. And now we still had some growing pains with it because I hadn't worked out all my counter game out of it as well. So that was that was my, my fault in off season, and, and I really liked 90% of it. The, the biggest problem was not the snap or the mesh is we had some catastrophic injuries uh, early in the year when we did it. And it had nothing to do with the, the pistol. It was just one of those years where uh, a two-time returning starter fullback uh, goes down. My returning starter quarterback goes down. Another back goes down, up alignment. And by week four – We just needed to get back under center and kind of give everybody a breath of fresh air. Well, we got back under center, and we we, uh, really ripped into a team that was a big rival. And the following week, me and uh, and the guys were talking. said, you know, we want to get back in the pistol. I said, yeah, I do, but how would the kids proceed? You know what I'm saying? Uh, Not that the pistol was bad, but it's almost like once we got back under center, it was almost their comfort zone. And we uh, we didn't win state that year. We lost to the semifinals. But the following year, we did win state under center. So I never felt comfortable of uh, trying to go back to it. But I tell you, I spend as much time in offseason looking at that as I do anything. Because uh, I, 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 I made a, uh, a playlist of what you sent me from uh, Alaska. There you go. Uh, where you went to that camp. You know, yeah, I'm looking yeah. at those drills and and how, how how guys snap the ball in the quarterback's position because I think there's a lot of stuff to it. You know, being being removed from that trash zone I think can really help a quarterback and it certainly helps the passing game. But we haven't made a commitment to go back to it. Uh, I do want to before my days of coaching are over. <laughs> I love the RPO stuff. I just don't know if it blends under center all that well. But I think there's a lot to be said for from a short pistol
3: yeah it's it's definitely interesting man going going up to Alaska seeing those guys run it, and uh it, it's kind of changed my mind a little bit too like man how can i how can I incorporate that thing man that 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 thing was pretty cool i one thing uh doing some gun stuff that we're doing, we don't have the ability to run rocket where if we're in that short pistol, we get the rocket back. That's the one thing I really liked about it, you know what I mean? I know Key West down there, they run uh, short pistol uh, rocket. I like to see their cut-ups and stuff, you know, so I don't know. We'll probably be under center here soon before you know it again. Who knows?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Well, I I had to go back back to what Urban Meyer did with uh, Utah, I guess, was the first place, and then eventually Florida. You know, when when he was running gun triple option with – uh, Utah, and then later with Tebow. Yeah, yeah. I mean it was like, uh, and I know it wasn't short pistol, but I
1: thought it was awesome. Yeah, yeah, no,
3: yeah. You got, you got that
1: right. Well, we had to do it. Uh, um, so I took over at Grafton High School. Gosh, five years ago, six years ago, anyway, however many. Uh, and uh, we we got in late, like uh, like it was like July, right? And uh, so we start with the under center stuff and the quarterback was a great kid, spread kid, you know, and, uh, had done a little bit of wing tee out a gun, mostly spread stuff. And so we get him under center and we didn't have a whole lot of time and, you know, he struggled, you know, in that trash zone you're talking about, you know, yeah. he was very indecisive only, just only because he didn't have the experience. And so, uh, you know, I ended up talking to some guys, and, and then we put it in and just kept the blocking scheme the same. And, uh, man, it was it was a great transition for us, you know, that year. And then we were able to go – because, you know, I want to go into the center. But it was a great transition for the – particularly for that kid, you know. And I think, like Tony's talked about, you've talked about, you know, I find it interesting, you know, we're all, we're all option-based. We all love it. We're passionate about it but we also try to find ways to put the kids in, in successful situations. And, and that might be having to back him up, short pistol, you know, or, or, it, you know, just, and that was my case, you know, but just the kid just didn't, didn't have the experience under center yet. <clears throat> but, but I, I find it all that interesting, you know, Tony and I sit around talking talk about stuff like that. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's uh, you're right. I, it brings a different element to this offense to sort of open some other things up, you know. And, and man, if you could just get it all done in <laughs> all <Yeah>. practice, <laughs> you know. I mean, you could be killer, you know, just killer with it.
3: I remember – I remember 2011 uh, – this is back on Coach Zephyr Hills. We, we were all under center, and uh, we we're playing a 3-3 stack team. They're just killing us with the blitz, you know, that, that trash zone you're talking about. I mean, they're just killing us. And uh, Coach put them back there in the pistol, and I'm all pissed off, you know. I'm a under center traditionalist, you know what I mean. I'm all pissed. Mm-hmm. But all but all of a sudden, we had a we had a kid that could go at quarterback. He's pulling that thing, man. They're all attracted to the fullback, and he's out the door. I mean, we we smoked them. And I, I was like, huh? Maybe I just need to relax a little bit here and uh, give this innovation <laughs> a chance, you know? Yeah. It was something to like. I mean, uh, even the overhangs, everybody just whoo to the fullback. You know what I mean? And and that depth was amazing for him to be able to get out of that you know and, and and escape outside that quarterback so i don't know that's that's my first experience with it
2: <laughs> no that's, oh, that's you mentioned you mentioned rob zeitman earlier i'd be interested to, to listen to that podcast because uh you know i guess somebody must have introduced it to me around 2008 when when he was at muskegon uh high school and they first went to it and so I started following them a little bit, kind of doing a two-year study and watching it and listening to what Tony and did it for. He just found it harder and harder to, um, teach the under center part of footwork for the quarterbacks. And, you know, you might get a one year quarterback who's a good athlete, uh, but maybe not have time to really get good at the reach step and the rides and all that. Whereas catching that snap and you're already in position moving toward the line, uh, to me was very innovative in finding that, that right distance with the right type of snaps and the splits. I, I didn't really like the detached A-backs because I thought it limited your offense, and, and their best answer was bubble, um, whereas I like those A-backs connected to the formation to where you can get the ball a little easier. Uh, and they different. had a different type of kid at Muskegon. But, uh,
3: yeah, which I mean. is funny you say that because that's one of the teams I was working with there in Alaska this, uh, this summer. Is they wanted to put in midline triple? Well, shoot, man, you got those guys apexed out there. We got a timing issue, you know. It's 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 almost impossible, you know. So I, it's funny you yeah, say yeah. that. In midline, man, you want to fold that sucker up in there to block. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to do from out there, you know.
2: Yeah, I, I thought I thought there reason. I, I never understood. Like you know, you you really sacrifice so much offense by by putting them five yards wider than the tackle. It, but you, you really, you're really are only trying to remove those hip players uh but it, it creates a lot of other problems and you really your only answer is bubble uh, uh the bubble screen which you know teams can kind of play that with the corner and do some different things to you uh and really trap you into a bad play but uh other than that i was intrigued by watching them play uh with those attached with those uh, with the short pistol backfield action
3: i tell you they youll'll you will you will hear them talking about it they had a a phenomenal quarterback uh, there at Ferris State. Uh, he's, he won that – is it the Harlan Hill Trophy, I think, is like the D2. Yeah, yeah the Heisman Trophy. Yeah. He won that like two years, I think, back-to-back. He was a stud. So, you remember yeah. how we were talking about some of that uh, inside beer stuff where you remove the third phase? I mean, the, you think about it, If you got a dangerous quarterback, you know what I mean, that's kind of some of their answers, I would say, uh, for getting around that, you know. It's, it goes Hey, when you got that that, that,
2: that uh, athletic quarterback boy, everything looks good, right? <laughs> <laughs> that dual threat, man, that's where it started with that kind of guy. Yeah, that's that's dual threat for sure. I'm
3: telling you. Good,
1: good. Well, well, Coach, a couple of things as we finish up here. You know, I want to get your take on uh, – the, the. so I've got kind of like a two-part question. Number one, you know, what are your thoughts on this offense, you know, being, well, let's say flex bone under center because that's, you know, what you've been doing. Um, your thoughts on this offense as it pertains to, like, helping with team unity and, and things like that, particularly in today's society. Um, and then the second part, you know, is, is talk a little bit about, you know, players in your program that are be able to go on to the next level within this offense.
2: Sure, sure. Um. It it, it goes back to what I said about loving the offensive linemen because they embody everything that you want from an unselfish football player. Um, I think the offense does that as a unit. And, you know, when we do a weekly scout report, the majority of the information to the kids is just – it's kind of a reminding of why we run this offense. Everything is team-based, execution-based, unselfishness-based. Uh, doing the things that don't require talent. I call them TNTs. Um, We don't ever talk about statistical goals. So the the nature of the offense, uh, being that there's only one football and 11 guys, so one guy's going to carry the ball, 10 of them have to do something to help the play be successful, is what we sell to the kids every day. Um, And it's hard sometimes because – Obviously, when they turn on the television, they see a lot of different offenses, and, and most of them don't look like ours. But I'm reminding them of why that's a good thing. When a team gets ready to play us, they would much rather see us do something different than what we do. So even though they may hear complaints about it at times or why don't we throw more, why our not the shotgun, I promise you our opponents would rather us do that than what we do. Uh, so it's a constant uh, – I that's a hard sell to our kids. It's just a constant reminder uh, of why we do it and uh, that we don't want to be a team that's trying to just feature one player that's going to eventually graduate or get hurt. We want to be a, a 11-man unit and use all the, all the parts of the Buffalo, you know, to try to move the football. Um, as far as, uh, you know, the culture of it, I think it just kind of uh, adds to the nature of our team, you know, as far as uh, – you know, being an unselfish, hardworking, blue-collar football team, I think that embodies uh, what this all, offense is all about. And, and that's what we constantly try to sell to our players. And I think, you know, when we guys have trouble at situations and they get back from the administration about doing something different offense, I, I feel bad for them. Uh, we have been very blessed here to have success, and so we can always lean back on that and say, well, we win. You know, or we, we win a lot more than we lose. And so it's, it's kind of easy to, to say that's why we do what we do. Um, if we fell on hard times, I think that would be even more the reason to do what we do because we wouldn't yeah. be as talented probably. Uh, right. But that's yeah. what we do. Um, we have not had a ton of guys going to the, to the next level. Um, in Louisiana, we have a lot of FCS and Division I playing schools. And the only non, I guess, division below FCS is a Division Three school, uh, which is not, you know, they don't give athletic scholarships, Louisiana College. And so our kids, a lot of them fall between the cracks because they may not be quite FCS. Uh, they might be Division Two, but they would have to leave the state to go do it. They'd have to go to Arkansas or Mississippi or Oklahoma. And, you know, um, we we don't always have a lot of rich kids here, but we do have some some upper-end kids who can afford to pay tuition. And so when it comes down to it, going to Division II school in the middle of Arkansas, where I would have went and played in a heartbeat, they may choose to just stay in town and go to LSU or to a state college uh, if it comes down to it. But we do have some kids that could play at the Division II level for sure. Um, Three years ago, we had three kids end up at service academies. We had an offensive lineman who signed with Army, who has since uh, hurt his knee and he's done. We have a fullback at Navy that's still playing. Uh, He'd be going into his sophomore year. His name is Nelson Smith. Okay. He actually saw some time last year uh, against Tulane early in the year, and I think he played on some special teams. And my quarterback, uh, Reggie Hayes, went to Navy prep, spent a year at Navy. Uh, but they wanted to move him to A ABAC, um, and he really wanted to be an option quarterback. And so he has since transferred to uh, Holmes Community College of Mississippi, uh, and so that's where he currently is. But uh, yeah. we didn't have anybody sign last year. Um, and more often than not, we have one or two kids get to go somewhere. I think this coming year we'll have a couple. But like I said, I, I think the theme of our recruiting is having some kids that really fall between the cracks, just because we don't have a Division II um, program in our state.
1: The coach, that's that's awesome. I mean, you got kids moving on. I mean, you know, and I and I think the the thing I was trying to get to too, what you hit on is is you know I think sometimes people kind of throw out there, well, you know, within this offense you know, you, you, you may not be able to go to the next level because it's it's unique or it's different or it's not being run at some higher levels. And, and you know, I think one of the things that, you know, I wanted to make sure we hit on, too, was the fact that, yes, you know, you can get kids to the to the next level if they so choose, you know. Sure. Um, uh, out of this offense because, you know, there's, there's things that can highlight their strengths and, and show you know college coaches what they can do, and and even though you know they may not be in an option system when they get to college, you know. So uh, I appreciate your thoughts on that.
2: No problem, and and I, I did overlook a kid that signed last year. Uh, we do have a fullback at Air Force. Uh, his name's Matthew Merla, um, and um, he, he was kind of a big, strong kid that played a lot of both ways, linebacker, fullback for us. But he is. Um, you know, like a lot of kids at the service academies, they, they struggle that first year, uh, whether or not they really want to be there. Uh, but yeah. he, he's surviving to year two, so I think he's going to
1: be there. But Yeah, he, <laughs> yeah uh, he, if he's made it that far, he's probably all set. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh,
3: that's awesome. Coach, I had one last question about your um, sprint out. I, I remember uh, back in the old days, man. You had these the set of videos. You remember the American football videos that you did on YouTube. And uh, I remember uh, it's pretty unique about the way I say unique. Maybe it's not for others, but uh, the way that you teach your sprint out. I never thought about taking that. I always had that backside receiver. I just say, "Hey, we're gonna run a flood." You just try to get across and get in in, in the conversation, you know, or you got a better yeah. idea. Of moving them and hey, let's help out in the blocking scheme a little bit here, fella. You know what I mean? I thought that was a, a pretty good deal. Like from a three-man surface, right on the on the side that you're sprinting out.
2: Yeah, uh, I, I guess uh, I'm trying to exactly remember where I picked that up, uh, <laughs> but we. I think you got to make a decision. You and I, I think talked about this one time on. If you want to sprint out to pull up, or if you want to sprint out to break contain. And if you want to sprint to break contain, you got to set the edge. And a tackle trying to reach a five tech who's worth his salt is not going to happen very often. Uh, and he can't cut him. And putting a fullback on a five tech who's worth his salt and asking him to block him and reach him is not going to happen more than once in the game if he's worth a darn. So we 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 will leave a our, our place out a back in there and set the edge uh we have a little two-man game if they're giving us two off the edge we make a deuce call to really ensure that we have at least a clean throwing surface if not breaking contain because we want to get outside we want to get out on our flank and and have our quarterback in a run pass position or at least a clean throwing lane uh usually for a two-man route could be a smash could be a curl could be kind of a, a hook in and out uh just something to stretch the flats and it's been a i tell you, one of the best things off the sprint out was something I learned from Dennis Franchione in the early 2000s when he was at Alabama was what what he called a smoke draw, and it came off a turn back protection. It's just a hinge. Uh, You take the gap where they climb the back, and the back just runs wherever it opens up. It looks like Sally, but it's really a a true gap play. They don't scheme it up. They set the the gap, and whoever that normal hinge blocker would be on the edge instead of reaching – now he just kicks out the guy player and you bust it up inside and i tell you that's been a great play for us too
3: that's awesome man i tell you what that old draw is is so attractive to me but that's one thing it's like my kryptonite i can't master the draw man i don't know how, what it is about it but i love how all these uh teams run it man i i just can't figure it out man one time i tried to run it in practice i got the quarterback killed man he said i don't like the draw <laughs> let's not run the draw <laughs>
2: I would say with the turn back draw, don't
1: overcoach it. Just don't overcoach it. <laughs> coach, coach, uh, to follow up on that question, now talk about how you're teaching that quarterback to get out from under center, you know, on his progression to spread now. I don't remember if it was you, and just, I'm getting older, so you gotta forgive me, but I, I don't remember if it was you or, or not, but were you three step dropping him and then going or are you coming out? I can't remember.
2: We're 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 on a three step. It's, it doesn't really look like a drop roll because we don't set and then, but he does come back at almost a vertical path for three yeah. steps and then he okay. arcs it. Um, okay, I got you.
1: Yeah. All right. Yeah, I, I thought that was what y'all were doing. I couldn't remember, but that, yeah, that's right. I
2: used to come out at a forty five, but uh, talking with our buddy, our common friend, Matt uh, Klein, Peter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You yeah. know, he talked how Navy did it, and I talked to some other guys, and I've since changed it.
1: Yeah, it's a it's an interesting concept. With the, you know, when I first heard about it, it was you know it was a three-step drop principle, not necessarily a, a back foot set and, and go, but but it was that same concept, you know. And uh, I thought I'm thinking to myself, man, you know, you know, whoever designed that or whoever I don't know who came up with it, I really don't. But that really helped set the you know set the edge for those guys blocking over there, right? Because it those defenders think. A quick game three-step, you know, maybe not in that term, but at least that's what it looks like, and it helps those edge guys uh, set their blocks, so, and then you're able to get on the flank like you're like you're saying. So that's,
2: that's it, it. Really does. It's, it's amazing. I didn't think it'd make a big difference, but it does.
1: Yeah, you know, like I said, I'll, <laughs> we all stealing from everybody here. You know, I don't know who came <laughs> no, up with that. as
3: you guys yeah. are talking. I'm thinking. I mean, that's. I saw Army the other day. I was watching – man, I don't know who it was. They were playing uh, Rice or somebody. I don't know. But, anyway, I saw the quarterback do a drop back, then boot. I had never seen that. You know, I usually – we fake a toss and then you boot off of it. I've never seen a drop back and then a boot. And that would do kind of what you're saying is suck that defense in and help those blockers out, uh, be able to get them pinned to the inside. It's kind of what I was thinking as you guys were talking, man. that's that's interesting. I might, I might implement that with my, with
2: my guys, man. I just learned something. There you go. I tell you, if you look at, um, if you look at that Kennesaw State film, hard coach, yeah, they yeah. do, they do quite a bit of three-step boot, and sometimes teams will give that quarterback the option to take that gift, that hitch, uh, and, and if it's not there, then he'll boot as a default, uh, and then sometimes they'll just show that action and automatically boot. And try to suck the defense in, but it can be a two-play deal where you got the hitch, or you boot to trips or out of ace or whatever you're gonna do. But yeah, Kennesaw does it nicely.
3: That's that's funny you say that, Coach. I remember sitting at Georgia Tech one time, and I'm and I'm watching the quarterback drop back, and then he kind of rolls rolls out the opposite way, and I and I couldn't understand it because I never, I don't know, just till you just now kind of explained it. That wouldn't make sense. You know, if you have that that pre-snap gift, or if you will, go ahead and take it. If not, then boot it, and that kind of sucks everybody in. Man, I just learned nothing, something else. <laughs> that's that's, all, that's <laughs> awesome, man. I, I, I never thought – I, I couldn't never understand that, you know, why, why, why they were doing that, you
2: know. It's pretty cool. You know, I'm going to tell you what, Tony. To, to me, the worst part of those kind of combo plays is terminology. Yes. Is how to call it because it can really screw the kids up. Yes, you got that right. You know
3: what? Yes, hey, We were talking about when you get on the Rob Zeitman, uh, when you listen to that coach, we were talking about zone and how uh, it's a backside read. And me and Matt talked about it even before. Man, how the hell are we going to yeah. name this? You know, we're used to 12 and 13, and now we're going to do a backside read. <laughs> Man, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Then you got to go to no huddle hand signals. I don't know. Jesus. I'm going yeah, all- to lose my hair soon.
2: <laughs> well, hey, join the club, man. I'm
1: right there. You, uh, you, you come on. You know, yeah, you uh, mine's turning gray and turning loose, all at the same. Time. <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh, that's good stuff.
1: That's no good. doubt about it. No doubt about it. Well, well Coach, uh, you know, I, we could go all night, and I, you know, but we can't thank you enough, you know, for joining us tonight. You know, this is uh, – it's been fun. It's been a blast. Uh, you know, we want to wish you the best of luck this season. Uh, you know, uh, not that you need it. Y'all do a pretty good job. But, uh, you know, again, from both of us, you know, uh, we really appreciate you being on this episode with us tonight. Well,
2: man, for, for you two guys, uh, you know, uh, there, there's definitely a lot of great characters on the uh, on the group chat there with the, the mesh point. And it, it's, uh, it's something I really wake up and look forward forward to every day. I really do. Uh, Don Watt needs to go on tour because he he is the man. Uh if I bring him into South Louisiana, he might not ever go home. Uh, once you get that guy rolling, man, he can he can put some coonasses to shame. You
1: know? Well, I tell you, Coach, we're going to actually have him on. and We don't know how it's going go. We don't know how it's going to go. Oh, but yeah, we got to figure,
3: we gotta figure out how this thing bleeps, you know what I mean? How to, <laughs> it's a family show, you know what I mean? Look,
2: One oh. day I'm going to show up in, in Arizona and just walk out to practice and not say a word, and I'm just going to stand there and watch and just take in what I can. Take it all in, yeah. Look, oh, I, I I can, like when this. I think of Don, I think of, okay, if he's coaching me, and then if he was pulling me over on the side of the road as a cop, uh, <laughs> what you might get from him, because I know you he, he wears two hats. But, no, what you do with the Flexbound Nation, man, is, is tremendous. And I uh, enjoy, you know, learning from you. And then, Tony, what you do with the group chat and the uh, Twitter uh, chat is uh, – y'all just unselfishly, unselfishly give to football, but specifically option football. And, and it's – it's very
1: much appreciated. I mean that from the bottom of my heart.
3: I appreciate that, Coach. It means a lot.
1: Yeah. We appreciate it. It means a lot. Uh, you know, I think Tony and I both, we're in that same boat together, you know, trying to help guys and, and uh, in a time where I think, you know, maybe some other people, you know, were trying to maybe take advantage of guys. We want to just kind of give some expertise and have some fun and make some connections. So, yeah, uh, you know, that's the that's the fun part of it. But, uh, but coach, you have a good evening. And, uh, like I said, good luck this year.
2: I appreciate it, man. And Tony, I'm, I'm still waiting for that confirmation on a a national option clinic at Key West. (laughs) We got
1: to get it. We got to get
2: it. (laughs) It's coming (laughs) soon. Okay, man. Y'all have a great night, fellas. All right, Scott. Thank you.
0: That's going to wrap this episode of the Mesh Point Podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Again, you can download our podcasts at Apple iTunes. You can go on and rate us if you think we're any good and maybe leave us some comments about some things you'd like to hear in future episodes. Also, you can download it on the new Google Podcast uh, application and on Stitcher. Again, I'm Matt McCloud. You can reach me on Twitter at RunTheTriple. Again, that's at... Run the Triple on Twitter. Our Mesh Point podcast has its own Twitter page, and that's at The Mesh Point. Again, on Twitter, at The Mesh Point. You can also find me on flexbonenation.com. I run an option blog there. We also have a forum where you can connect with coaches across the country. And I've just added a new uh, section entitled Podcast, where you can download future episodes. All right Tony, I want you let everybody know how they can get you on social media All right, guys, go
3: to three face football on Twitter at three face football and uh, you'll you 'll be able to follow my account and um, The cool thing about it is, is every Monday we do something called mesh point monday and basically i 'll post out four questions concerning a triple option topic and it 's a great opportunity for coaches all around uh, the country and uh, to, to get together and network and and uh, get to know each other and, you know, we'll talk about some kind of triple option topic. So catch, uh, catch that every Monday, eight o'clock Eastern. And uh, what you want to do is search the hashtag MeshPoint to see everybody's responses uh, to, to the four questions. Uh, like I said, great, great way to uh, build our networks and, and, and learn some things. It's like an ongoing webinar on Twitter. So it's real cool. Also check out the website, threefacefootball.net. Uh, we've got some cool gear like Fear the Veer, you'll see in the background here. Uh, Fear the Veer stuff, uh, mesh point gear, and and other things like that. So uh, go check out that website as well.